Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The Telegraph. the Telegraph Podcasts. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of Fashion Unzipped, the new podcast from the Telegraph fashion team. Thanks for listening. And thank you also for making us the number one fashion and beauty podcast on iTunes this week. Today we're talking about Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson's new film about an obsessive mid-century London couturier, played to perfection by Daniel Day-Lewis. Fashion News and Features director Bethan Holt will tell us what she learned from interviews with the film's costume designer, including insight into Day-Lewis's hands-on training in the New York City Ballet costume shop. But first, let's talk about the main fashion stories of the week. I'm Emily Cronin, Senior Fashion Editor, joined by Head of Fashion Lisa Armstrong. Hello. Beauty Director Sonia Haria. Hello. And Bethan. Hello. So I know that you guys might be listening to this on your way to work, but the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are also at work this week, traipsing through Scandinavia. Their four-day royal tour will see them visit Stockholm and Oslo, two cities that epitomize Scandi style. So far, we've only seen the Duchess in one very outdoorsy outfit, a Burberry coat, fuel raven jumper, black jeans and sorrel winter boots, and a Eugenia Kim bobble hat. But based on previous royal tours, there's every reason to think she'll use the tour as a platform to promote her host country's fashion. We tend to play a guessing game before each of these tours where we say, what do we want her to wear? What will she wear? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and every now and then we get a nice tidbit from a designer, like one of the designers I don't think we can name that we emailed before this tour who said, oh, they've just gotten in touch to request some samples. Yeah, her PA, mm-hmm. her PA has, had been in touch, so we'll see. So what can we expect to see the Duchess wear on this week? Maybe some H&M. That would be very diplomatic yet thrifty also, ticking all the boxes. Should she be wearing throwaway fashion? I think that's a little bit out of touch now. Wow, this is true. Maybe the conscious collection. The conscious, her, conscious collection. Her, her, her hostess <laughs> is, um, I can't believe I know this, but her hostess is <laughs> of Crown Princess Victoria of Sweden. And she is a big fan of H&M's conscious mm. collection and has worn it to some big royal well, galas great. in I the past. I think as some, as somebody who works in the industry said to me that the H&M sort of conscious 
it wasn't called consciousness. That's a really awful name, isn't it? Yeah. It's so sanctimonious. But anyway, uh, that their organic T-shirt range was brilliant and very well made, and the pricing was unreal, um, given what you were getting in terms of quality. And it's only because H and M are so big, and they were doing it as a bit of a loss leader that they could do it for those prices. So Kate should maybe maybe have a look at that. It's going to be very cold as well. I mean, she's been layering up already. She had a big Burberry shearling coat on this morning. I mean, I'm sure that we won't see very many of those neat dresses that she wore in Canada. But, you know, something we were talking about before we started recording. I mean, why does it matter what she wears on these tours? Like, obviously, people come to the website really keen to click through her style gallery and and see what she's wearing. But what relevance does it actually have to our lives today? Well, I think it's quite interesting because if you just saw a picture of Kate on the front page of a newspaper or a website, you would just think, oh, she's wearing a, a black coat, you know. But the fact that that black coat is by Burberry, one of arguably one of British fashion's greatest exports, or, you know, that she's wearing something from a Swedish brand, which is then seen as a diplomatic nod to where she's staying, you know, this is seen as her, her way of, being a great duchess, I guess. Um, eye rolling. Eyes <laughs> <laughs> um, I, do you know what I think? That one of the problems is that we are in a moment of such great flux about what we think about certain things and how we think we're supposed to think about things. And this idea of judging these women who don't ever say anything just by what they're wearing is, is just starting to feel... Very, very old-fashioned. It does feel strange because... (laughs) If it didn't already feel old-fashioned, it really feels old-fashioned. I think countries do feel complimented when she wears one of their own when she's visiting them. I mean, we all felt incredibly flattered when we saw Michelle Obama in Roxanda or Erdem. Um, You can't help but feel a bit of national pride, which is so ridiculous because we had no hand in Erdem and Roxanda's work. (laughs) (laughs) It's not we our effort, but it's like when we win at the Olympics, isn't it? What makes me wonder, though, is obviously as kind of fashion geeks, we know this stuff and we are writing it. So hopefully people will kind of read what we write about this. But if you do just see the picture, I mean, you don't know where that black coat's from. Maybe you think, oh, well, maybe I do want to buy that coat or I want to buy that dress. But, you know, you have to read, you have to know what that message actually is, don't you, to be able to... But there, there are such niche subcultures everywhere. I mean, exactly. we all follow, you know, professionally, we follow Megan's Mirror and, and a bunch of the the different, like, Duchess watching Instagram and, and Twitter feeds. Uh, and the level of conversation by people who are in those communities is so intense. My phone was so on fire this morning because, my, I, unfortunately, I have them all set up as notifications on my phone. <laughs> but when these things I happen... I turn them off at night. Well, obviously. You do not need to know <laughs> they come through overnight. Yeah. And, and, you I, know, them all comparing, or maybe it's this hat she's wearing, or maybe it's these gloves, or, oh, she wore this scarf in 2012, and... I mean, it's encyclopedic. I suppose it's no worse than train spotting. Mm. I mean, no. It's a harmless hobby. It's a harmless hobby. If you're fascinated by the fascinator that Kate wore in 2007, then you're just only going to get more and more fascinated. You're going to go into it more and more deeply. And you'll know more, and that that knowledge bank accrues. It's like, you know, when is someone going to go on Mastermind to talk about. Kate's collection of Mew Mew. Or when are you available? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure there'd be too many questions available on that subject. I do think there's something in that they um, that Kate's quite relatable. 
you know, she's she almost feels like the girl next door. I think from a beauty perspective, you sort of want to know what she's wearing, what blushes she's wearing, because it could almost be your... <laughs> She's You're not. Yes. She's, she's not. Credulous she's not a scary well, fashion type. Our she's online kind of... beauty readers care about that. Yeah. You know, they want to know what she's. Who is the most popular person who your online readers want to know the most about? Is it Kate? Is it Megan? Is it, is it a royal or someone? I think Kate still cuts it over Megan. In other fashion news, guys, show season starts in just over a week. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Starting next Thursday when Bethan takes off for New York Fashion Week, we will spend a month traveling between the fashion capitals for the shows, which is, of course, a complete privilege, but it does tend to leave us with very little time for ordinary things like laundry and dinner with friends. So just want to ask the women around the table, do you have any pre-show season rituals that you care to share here? I mean, does panic shopping count? That's kind of mine. Well, for New York, it's all about the Uniqlo shop and getting your heat tech stocks up to acceptable levels so yeah I did and the right footwear because do you know I had this theory you know when we about three or four years ago heels just died and suddenly everybody was in flats and when I was in New York I suddenly realised why this had happened it was because all the magazine budgets had been slashed and they no longer had (laughs) the limos the the town cars (laughs) so they were wearing I'd never seen so many New York fashion editors in flats before it was all about you know, having to Uber, walk, get the get the subway. And frankly, long may it last, it's much better for us. Absolutely. I, I have heard that some of the kind of top fashion editors, I'm sure Lisa will know more about this than me, kind of spend a week at the Mayor Clinic before the shows. <laughs> <I've done that>. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm Only still surviving on croissants <laughs> at the moment, yeah. so it's not looking too hopeful for me. <laughs> Well, I, I think that giving up carbs is is very, very 2014. I think that's... Oh, good, because I, yeah. I failed at that after one day. I told yeah, myself, no, no, I, said, I said to my so friends, I was like, no carbs till Milan, and then I'll go no, big. No. And then the next day, it it's was, over. You know, because you French crave, toast for breakfast. You crave then, don't you? You really crave It's better them. to do it in moderation, and then you just don't have those kind of urges. I mean, luckily in February, I suppose, <laughs> you, there, there is outerwear to the rescue, so... Yeah. I think if you nice have coat. a great coat, you can kind of... Put your mind at rest. And a hat. Yeah. Okay, I need to get on the hat. And I've got a few coat options. There's a coat, hat, a snow boots. It's everything yeah. your mum always told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the big thing on the flight. Do you eat? Don't you eat? Everyone always says, oh, you'll feel so much better if you don't eat. Yeah, but you get really hungry. And then you have to eat the horrible plain food. And then you hate yourself. Yeah. You need, and you then need by the time snacks. you arrive, you already have a sort of psychological psychodrama going on. <laughs> it's all about that first New York bagel, Lisa. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Where's the best place the in New York for the for bagels? Oh, I have... I have opinions and I have a list. I mean, I I love I love an, my perfect bagel breakfast is an everything flagel with scallion cream cheese, tomatoes, onions, and a fried bagel. Flat bagel, more surface area. <gasps> oh. I've yep. never Less heard carbs. of a flagel. Yeah. Well, it's bigger, so it's really like they some people some I places call it a flat it. tire. It's like a squashed bagel. Okay. Um, and you just spread the cream cheese on the outside of it. It's do you know when Yum. I was in Paris last week for the shows? This is all we do, dear listener. Just go to shows. It's so so tiring. Seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> I walk past cue the violin. Yeah, exactly. I walk past um, a bake a new bagel store. 
in Paris. It was closed. And it looked amazing. And I I felt affronted that the Parisians have stolen a march on Londoners with the bagels. Because actually, where do you get great bagels in London apart from Brick Lane? It's really hard. I mean, I live in northwest London. And 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 you should be the center of bagel land. Lisa, there's a one near you, actually, isn't there? There's a new place called Margot Bakery that does sourdough bagels that are okay. But I don't know why there's this, like, insistence that there are only four acceptable kinds of bagels. We're way off topic here. No, but do you know what? We're not because... (laughs) I think the reader... If it all goes really... If it all goes really pear-shaped for journalism, we know what our next career is going to be. I will be opening a... The fashion bagel. The fashagels. The fashagels. That sounds like like some kind of exercise that you do with your pelvic floor. January is over, and Sonia, you shared an intriguing theory with me about why February is really the right time to buckle down on your beauty resolutions. Totally. I think in January, uh, no one's really ready for New Year's resolutions and getting kind of ready for the summer. Um, But I think summer skin really does start in the winter, so February is the time to just up the ante with the skincare. If you're going to start using some extra skincare, it's it's time to start using a really low-level acid in February. Does anyone else use an acid? Which acids? Tell us about acid. So like a glycolic, a really nice glycolic at night. Because you don't really want to use those things too much over summer, but it kind of gets your skin ready in the winter. Okay, so Sonia, does a glycolic acid thin your skin? No, I don't think so. If you're using quite a low-level one mixed with like, L'Oreal have these amazing new ones, £20 for 30 pads. It's blended with panthenol, so it's really soothing on the skin. Um, so it doesn't What's thin your... Uh, vitamin E. So it doesn't thin your skin. Um, but it kind of gets rid of all of that dead skin from winter. Dullness, February bloods. Yeah. I think, you know, February, you kind of want what I want. I sort of want that bronzy, glowy skin by June. Is that going to happen? I also like pixie glow tonic. I, I have... I'm have getting to the that? end of my first bottle of that oh, and I'm good. quite enjoying like it. it. Yeah, there's definitely just that that slight, ex, like you say, just that little extra yeah. glow, a bit of twinkle okay, that your skin so, didn't so have what before. Is, what step? is pixie tonic? It sounds like fairy juice, right? What is it? <laughs> it kind of looks like fa- It's really good. It's like a blend of acids, but for uh, for the kind of woman who's never used acids before. Okay. Which me, is better. Like me, me. yeah. <laughs> um, or you could use Biologique Resurgis P- Cult P50. Lisa, have you tried that? No, I'm very... Uh, I'm wary of anything that um, sounds remotely sort of tough on the skin. Yeah. I don't really... That's not my approach. I mean, I do skin brushing, actually. Right. That would be my exfoliation. I do that every day. Yeah. Because... The person I trust most in the world about skin, Alex Sovereil, told me that was one of the most important things you can do. So you get, you know, in the way you body brush, it's just two little brushes you get yeah. for your skin. I do that. And then for me, it's all about putting nutrients in. Not yeah. Well, I mean, I think old-fashioned acids can be really stripping and harsh on your skin. But even if you use it kind of two or three times a week, um, but also properly cleansing your skin. Because, you know, if you're just using a micellar water, which lots of brands sell as the kind of ultimate cleanser, mm. it's not going to get rid of anything. Mm. You know, I think you really need to use like use, a proper okay, that cleansing balm, I use that a terry towel, cleanser. take yeah. everything off yeah. properly. I, I like that steam cleaning. Yes. I hate those micellar waters. Yeah, yeah, so bad. I mean, they're, they're good for sort of around the eyes if you want to get rid of 
I make up for, in a very gentle way, but they're not going to clean. I do your feel they face. leave a film, kind mm. of. So yeah, you, you don't feel else. clean afterwards. I think you need a proper kind of terry towel. IKEA do great ones for, you know, four for a, a pound or something. Use a fresh one every day and just really get rid of your cleanser and all and, your makeup. And, and do you recommend taking your makeup off first before you do that, or can you use that to take your makeup off? Uh, use that to take your makeup off. So yeah. use the balm cleanser, get everything off, and then you know take everything off with a hot terry towel, um, and then follow that with your skincare at night. Um, even if it's just a really rich, lovely trilogy rosehip oil or something, just to give your skin some extra, some extra boost. Well, I remember I was shocked a couple of months ago when when I was asking you about, you about night creams, and you were like, "Haven't you read my latest story? You shouldn't <laughs> be using heavy creams at night. It's all about no, serums I mean, and oils. And- creams are kind of protectants, and they should really be used, you know, in the morning, obviously, as a as a sealant, as a protectant for your skin. But I think night creams are a bit old-fashioned and what um what's the sort of routine that you should use all these different products in because i've heard that like you should put oils on last and things like oils first oils first okay i I was told someone do you agree that it's the light you put the lighter things so you would start with a serum if you want to use a serum that goes on then you put your um you put your oil on as sonia says you put the In the day, the thick moisturizer. Right, Sharon okay, McGlinchey yeah. oh, I love said her. to me, "Why would you put moisturizer on at night? It's like wearing an overcoat yes. in bed." Well, I mean, actually, if you live in Edinburgh, in my student daughter's flat, you do need an overcoat <laughs> in bed. But most of the time, you probably don't. You just need the oil. That's. I have to say, though, I love a thick cream. Do you? What about an oil? Doesn't I do? I do use the, the whole thing, lot. Do you? Mm. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I think there's definitely something to be said about the whole feeling of putting on a cream and how it mm. makes you feel, you know, and an and oil. I love putting on an oil at night because it just, you know, it almost kind of de-stresses you by the very action of putting it on. Um, and if it's something that smells lovely like the Trilogy Rosehip Oil or... You know, just anything really. Yeah, I think it's really um, quite important to have things that you love the smell of because yeah. you know sometimes at night when you think, oh, I can't be bothered. Yeah, totally. If it smells beautiful and it feels pleasurable, it just it becomes part of, as you say, a very soothing yeah. ritual that can all add up to helping you sleep. It's that sort of sleep hygiene thing. Totally, and that whole kind of self care. So, what what are your favorite oils out there? I. I kind of use whatever I manage to snap up at a beauty sale. So right now I'm on a votary oil. Oh, they are the best. Really good. Yeah. If you were going to ever snap up mm. an oil, that's the one. That's great. What else? What else is good? Um, there's a brand called Elacura. It's available at Space NK now. And they've got this delicious replenishing oil, which is a mixture of vitamin A, vitamin E. It's just really lovely. Just a reminder that we round up all the stories, pictures, and links relevant to the podcast in a news story on the site every week. Visit telegraph.co.uk slash fashion to find out more. And please subscribe to the podcast so you catch all of our upcoming episodes. Award season is in full swing, and one of the films raking in the nominations is Phantom Thread, the second and apparently final collaboration between director Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis. Day-Lewis, who has been nominated for an Oscar and a BAFTA for his performance, plays Reynolds Woodcock, the dashing, fastidious designer reigning over the House of Woodcock, assisted by his neat and spiky sister Cyril, played by Leslie Manville. 
The routine of their design house, which creates clothes for royalty and aristocracy, is interrupted by the arrival of enigmatic muse Alma, played by Vicky Creeps, who Woodcock meets during a stay in the countryside. He is instantly beguiled. Part Hitchcock, part de Maurier, it is fashion and the post-war atelier setting which become a sumptuous vehicle for their deliciously twisted relationship. So, who's seen the film? I think we all have now. No, only only Sonia hasn't. So I, I wonder. I if feel you'll like want to I have it. seen the film though. <laughs> we have from been all of the chat. It it's been a repeat topic of conversation on the fashion desk, and and I've got to say, surprisingly different views about mm. it too. Well, it, I, I kept wanting to go to the screening, and I could never make any of them. And I would ask everybody coming in, um, looking shell shocked from a screening. So what's it like? What's it like? And they'd say, it's really weird. Yeah, but is it good? Is it good? It's really weird. It, do you know, I have not stopped thinking about that film. So to me, that's the sign of a, of a good film. I mean, it's not, it's not flawless, but it's so intriguing. And it's beautiful with this great twisted plot. It's a real credit to the film that although there's this whole kind of strange love story going on amongst all the dresses, they, they really completely got the kind of fashion setting. They were so meticulous about getting that right. I mean, they worked with the V&A's Blythe House. When I was at the screening on Saturday, Sarah Bershon was there and she said that Paul Thomas Anderson had got in touch with her, I think, because he wanted to look around her atelier. You know, they really did try and research this very well. But anyway, she was saying the dressmakers had got so excited at one point because they'd seen a 1950, or maybe the costume designer got very excited because he's seen that this 1950s re-re-zips are the be-all and end-all of zips, apparently. And they got so um, sort of transported by the stitch, the way the zip had been inserted because they don't have those techniques anymore. All that is celebrated in in the film, I think. Plus, it's that wonderful post-war period. Well, I love that period because... Britain just looks like a foreign country. The nicest clothes, I think, are the clothes that he wears himself in the in the film. I mean, there's one scene where he's wearing lavender pajamas with a tweed jacket. And do you know, I went home and I ordered some lavender dylon. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, I get loved... the Daniel Day Lewis look. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I loved his his sister Cyril's outfits. You know, she's the head of his atelier. She's his right hand woman. Played um, by Leslie Manville. Played by Leslie Manville. That's right. Incredibly, incredibly fastidious and stuck up woman. And she has these wonderful dark gray and navy dresses that are, you know, have these very elegant v-necks almost at the tip of her shoulder and they're nipped in just so and you just think seeing that that to me was evidence that he actually could care for other people and that he I, created I such loved beautiful clothes also that she um, didn't have many dresses she just wore the same ones and that that to me was very redolent of that time when actually even though you worked in a couture house you were very very I mean talk about conscious H&M you know that's very conscious consumerism it's having a few really exquisite pieces that you you treasure I noticed something in that movie that disturbed me profoundly and it was nothing to do with the plot it just made me think you know what Daniel Day-Lewis your method isn't doing it for me (laughs) because he had dirty fingernails Oh no! and I thought Reynolds would not 
his his fingernails would have been immaculate. So I thought, okay, this is going to come up as a plot thing. We're going to find out something about Reynolds. We're going to see him sort of burrowing in earth to explain the fingernails. We never did. So I think it was, I just think that was a DDL massive, massive. Was that the beginning? Oh, that's no, it's twice, Emily. We see his fingernails close up. It's quite a lot attention of, to detail. I think there's quite a lot of things in the film or that were originally filmed which didn't make it into the final cut because apparently they filmed all these scenes where he has all these secret children um, which we never see yeah so maybe there are some some okay. forest digging scenes because I mean it's so it's out. so fastidious that you even see all these his, his, when you see his hands close up apart from the dirt under the fingernails the skin's quite rough and you think oh yeah because that's where you know he sews so the needle would be going into his fingers he would have chap skin he would not have dirty fingernails I, no. I as beautiful as this film was I have two it. bones to pick with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so First of all, it didn't, not that it was the film's job or intention to portray fashion people in a good light, but it's not going to do us any favors. Second, and more fundamentally, I have to say I was just so turned off by, you know, another film about a demanding perfectionist male genius who just needs the women around him to be submissive and quiet and worship him. But Emily, she is not submissive. He becomes submissive to her. I know, but by the end, by that point, I I have to say I didn't care about her. But are you saying that now that now that we have a hashtag times up, we're never going to be able to engage with a story about a man again? That would be very dangerous to say, definitely. But I do think that given the kinds of films that we've been seeing, given what we now know about, and there there are no allegations that I know of, by the way, about Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't want to imply that at all. But what we now know about the ways that male filmmakers have brought their work to fruition, ultimately being at the cost of of progression and, and flourishing of their female colleagues... It does feel a bit dated, a bit dire. And and really, it was an incredibly like self-referential film. Paul Thomas Anderson even hid his initials in the title. Not so hid. <laughs> not, not so <laughs> hidden. But, uh, it, you know, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, obviously, incredibly dreamy actor. So wonderful to look at and, and see. And I really enjoyed his tirade against the word chic. Uh, yes, that was good. Wasn't I think it? that will that will go down as, as one of Meryl those Street things. Blue jumper, yeah, and <laughs> the yeah. Absolutely, that's going to be a meme. I mean, uh, you, you you say Emily, it doesn't do fashion people any favors. Actually, I think it makes the art of of couture. I think it's a, it's a wonderful celebration. And I think for people who don't who, who've never really understood because it is quite hard when when you don't see a show or you're not professional to know the difference between couture and ready to wear, and those words are so often used interchangeably um, when they couldn't be more different. When I came out of that film, I thought, actually, I only ever want to wear clothes that are made with great passion and 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 care. I don't, I don't ever want to wear a piece of fast fashion again. It was, it was, it was I think really it, powerful. I think it that, also that. kind of shows that, I mean, working in fashion, you know what it takes to create these collections. I mean, we'll go and see a show that will last 12 minutes and obviously we'll appreciate it, but, you know, dozens of people's blood, sweat and tears and endless nights of not sleeping and being in the studio late have gone into that. And that kind of is the truth, I think. Um, and I also, I always find when you see the, 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 the seamstresses, they usually are women, 
the, their sort of their incredible expertise and skill. Again, in the I Dior film that came out, that was so moving, and the Dior and respect. I, right? Dior and I, sorry, and the and the respect that the designers have for their ateliers, the petit main. And and vice versa when it's working really well. I thought that that came across very well in in um, in Phantom That's Thread true. as well. That really did. You know, seeing that they were the power behind, they were the engines of his creativity. He knew he couldn't do it without them. And and actually, Cyril, his sister, who's is Mrs. Danvers basically, isn't she? Um, from Rebecca. When when she says to them they all have to stay late. I mean, she makes it clear that there isn't a lot of choice in that. But she she's very polite to them and says, you know, I'm afraid we are going to have to work through the night. And they understand why. They want that that dress to 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 be a success. It did make me want to learn how to sew a buttonhole. Mm. And it made me want to be fitted for a couture dress. Someday. Maybe you want to rush out and very, buy a very expensive Verdum <laughs> dress I've had my eye on for months. So Daniel, um, after finishing filming, announced that this was going to be his final film. Yeah. And there is this kind of strange rumour, which I'm sure is just a rumour, that he's going to launch his own fashion line now that he's learnt to be a couturier. Do you know what? I'm That's sure it would be unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and much better than Reynolds Woodcock. Daniel Day-Lewis at London Fashion Week. <laughs> Do you know, um, well, I don't know if I can, I can say this, but a colleague on another newspaper once during the Oscars wrote about he was wearing a very eccentric he's quite a dandy actually in one sense he was wearing quite an eccentric outfit and so was his wife and she wrote something funny about them and um, got a stonking letter of complaint to the editor not from Rebecca Miller the wife but from DDL well, we would love to hear from you. Email us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk, Daniel. Um, but, Beth, one of the details of your story that I really loved was the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis led the costume designer around to some of his favorite shops in London, and he really put together the look on his own. Yeah, so they went to German Street and Savile Row. His um, his suit was made at Anderson and Shepherd. He had things from Drake's. Um, and then Mark Bridges, the costume designer, spoke to me about their belief that every great stylish Englishman always has a kind of twist to his outfit. So he will have the, you know, the perfect suit and everything, but there's always a bit of flair. And they decided that um, Woodcock's bit of flair, I mean, he has quite a lot of flourishes, but his thing was going to be his socks. Oh, yes, there's quite a lot of dwelling on socks. So they went to uh, the Pope's sock outfitter in Rome (laughs) And wow. bought an array wow. of socks in different jewel colours. They were really more like stockings. I mean, there's a whole scene at the beginning where he's dressing and you see him pull up mm. these, they, these knee I think men socks. did wear quite long socks. I remember my grandfather in those, you know, they, they, those sort of silk socks that went halfway yeah. up the line. But I really wanted him in the Q&A to be wearing an Anderson and Shepherd suit with lilac pyjamas. And he came on a sort of, mm, nah. What was he wearing? He was wearing like mustardy coloured combat trousers and oh, some no. combat. Oh. Yeah, and, and he shaved his hair, which and, and it was such beautiful silver hair. Doesn't he spend most of his time chopping wood in Ireland or well, something? Well, that's where the so. fingernails come into. Yeah. <laughs> We've almost reached the end of the podcast, but first I'd like to do our usual end of podcast round of what we're all excited about this week. I am very excited about... Um, um, on Radio 4 and Radio 4 Extra, they are slowly going through all the works of Muriel Spark. It's 100 years since she was born. It's the anniversary. And they're doing audio 
readings and dramas of her books. And again, if like me, you kind of are fascinated by that post-war period, it's brilliant. You can almost taste the food. You can smell the the cabbage aroma in those corridors Mm. of those boarding houses. She is so brilliantly waspish. I love her to bits. I only really knew Miss Jean Brodie before, but... Uh, Girls of Slender Means and A Far Cry from Kensington, they're wonderful. I also love her diet advice because it is, again, so no-nonsense. It's, well, just eat half of what you ate before and then cut that in half again and you'll be thin. Excellent. (laughs) That's a good recommendation. I also have have a book um, over the past week. Well, it's something that I've been trying to do for a while is, is redress the gaps in my own reading history. So I finally read The Bell Jar last weekend. Yes, I mean... Depressing, but yeah, great. (laughs) Made me feel really happy. Uh, And depressing, but also dazzling. And in it, Sylvia Plath describes staying at the Amazon, which is, of course, a fictionalized version of the Barbizon Hotel in New York. And her details about magazine life, because she was an intern um, at a magazine for a month, having won a writing competition. The details are so delectable. I mean, they go to fur shows. They go to to, to like a 10-course lunch that takes three hours. And they all get food poisoning from the prawns and the avocado. Um, But I have to admit, after that, I did feel like I needed a bit of of some warm and fuzzies. So I went for an easy choice that I can advise everyone to read if they want just to be completely caught up in a book. And it was Philip Pullman's Book of Dust. It's uh, the prequel to his Golden Compass trilogy. Yes, it's a young adult novel, um, so you can race right through it, and it's just divine. The the imagery in it, the characters, it really was incredibly escapist. I only had to you know read one paragraph in the middle of a crowded tube and and feel transported to um, to his setting, and and finishing it got me so excited for the next two books. So. It's a balanced reading list, a little of depressing I Sylvia Plath and then me. <laughs> young adult fiction. So uh, I guess that's to say go to the library, guys, and, and get a book you've been meaning to read. I'm very on brand for beauty. I'm getting my hair cut this week, which usually isn't that exciting, but I um, it's my you first hair cut. I know. <laughs> um, so a few months ago I had about 15 inches cut from my hair 15 inches yeah went on to make some wigs have you donated it i have yes that's amazing yeah so it made can anybody i mean how does how do people go about donating you have to most hairdressers participate so as long as you tell them beforehand i think you have to have at least seven inches for it to make a wig. Didn't um, it come out this weekend that um, yeah, the Duchess, Duchess of Cambridge that's how I, done it. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's, yeah. Very used to it's her. That's good. how I know Sorry. about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Duchess of Cambridge, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great charity called the Little Princess Trust, and I think you can find out some details on their website. But um, So that was, selfishly, three, three months ago, having my hair cut, and I now can't stand it being any longer than my shoulders, so I'm having it cut again. Your hair grows so fast. It does. It's, it's well below your shoulders. That, uh, your collarbone. Good quality Indian hair. Uh, fabulous <laughs> your hair. Do you um, subscribe to that theory that getting it cut makes it grow more? Well, I interestingly um, interviewed someone last week, and they were talking about how it is all about micro-trims. Oh. So, yeah, just a tiny... What it's trim. really about is collagen. <laughs> I, I, I drink collagen now, Didn't and uh, it's made a huge difference mm. to my hair. It's so good, and it helps your nails. And it's the best way to get collagen, I think, through a drink. Well, it's it's also it's very difficult though if you're vegetarian to find a good non-meat mm. source of um, of collagen. Oh wow, do I know about finding good sources of collagen now? <laughs> 
so I've read a book and seen a film that have just made me desperate to book a summer holiday. So I read um, Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, which is just this story of these two young girls who were once in love and they become friends with this married couple and one of them has an affair with the man while they're on holiday in France. And then last night I saw Call Me By Your Name, which is another summer love story, two boys falling in love on a summer holiday. And um, I'm way past the times for holiday romances, but it has made me Never crave the, the time for holiday romances. <laughs> <laughs> well, given I've got a boyfriend, he might have some problems with that. But I don't know, maybe we can create something. But yeah, it's just made me crave the kind of long summer days. Have you booked a summer holiday yet? Well, I'm going to Croatia, but I need another one mm. as well. It's always good to have something to look forward to. Yeah. Two yeah. summer holes, Beth Ann. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, guys. We're out of time. So please let us know what you think. Email us, Daniel Day Lewis, please do, at unzippedtelegraph.co.uk. Follow and message us at Telegraph Fashion on Instagram and comment on the stories. And again, please do subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and feel free to leave us a five-star review. Only if it's five star. Only, I mean, no, <laughs> yeah. no four star reviews. No. Just five. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped. <laughs> <laughs>